You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. This year, I mean it. I mean it, mean it. I could not possibly mean it anymore. I got this. Candy bars, gone. Funyuns, gone. Ice cream, candy bars and Funyuns are gone. This year, I'm going to connect with people, IRL. In real life. Made a list. That means I mean it. I'm going to take care of myself. Right after I figure out who that is. Other than a mom, which I love. I beat myself up. I'm never good enough. That has to change. Why do I do that? I'm such an idiot. See? This year I'm going to work on being the cool dad, you know? Maybe go to the skate park, hang out with my kids. No biggie. <laughs> This works, right? I gotta learn to forgive myself. You know, give myself a break. Not be perfect. I've got it. I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone by volunteering at the hospital. Maybe the pet shelter. Because cats, they're so much easier. This year, I'm going to forgive my mom. Now that I am a mom, I, I totally get it. This year, I'm going to start reading literature. You know, books and such. Because I hear it's good for me. This year, I'm shaving my back hair. I am tired of those kids at the neighborhood pool calling me Sasquatch. It's just that I am comfortable staying in my comfort zone. Who am I kidding? God, I wear myself out trying to outdo everyone. I, I can one-up everything, and it's exhausting. I have a lot of baggage, and it is not all from the mall. Well, some of it is. I'm trying, God. I am. But there's a reason why I'd rather stay at home. I'm weak, God. I know it. You know it. And you know what, God? This year, I'm giving you all the places that hurt. I'm going to give you all of my failed attempts that I think are going to make me a better man. You are a strong fortress, God. You. And I'm going to let you be strong in my weakness. All right, God. I'm going to start with the best relationship. You and me. And then... We'll move outward from there. Hmm? Because this year, I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. All right, well, it is interesting to think that we come to a new calendar, and someone has graciously pointed out that this year will be easier than last year because when you make a mistake writing the year, it's much easier to turn a seven into an eight than it is to turn a six into a seven. So, therefore, this year is already going to be easier. Uh, me, you know, if I write a check, I'll be writing 17 until somewhere in June when I'll probably, you know, get used to the 18. So, we get a new calendar. We uh, can think of ourselves different tomorrow than we are today, or we can just continue in the same way that we have gone before and not really know exactly what we're supposed 
to do or not make any change or just stay stuck and not become a better person, not become uh, more effective, not make a difference in our life. When you go to uh, some of these amusement parks and the little car, go-kart tracks or whatever, you wait in line and you get your turn and you know you get whatever five laps around the track and then your turn is up. So you get out there and you have a good time and you know when the last lap is coming up and then you can go wait in line again, I guess. But uh, in your life, you don't know how many laps you get. I mean, on average, you get 70 laps around, you know, 70 years. Some people get less, some people get more. Some people just coast through life and other people are more purposeful. Some people out there on that track do everything they can to try to get ahead of someone else or to try to improve their time or their skill and in their head. They are motivated, trying to make something happen, and other people just go around the track, and they're like, "Eh, whatever, you know, I'm just going through life. And really, what does God want you to do with your life? What does God want you to do with the time that you have and the resources that you have and the faith that you have? Because without hope, it's really hard to move forward. Without trusting God, it's hard to move forward. You know, we can go through life in total fear of all the things that could happen, I mean, nuclear war could start at any time. Sickness could wipe us all out. Uh, You know, there's a flu outbreak right now. Uh, What was that? On Friday, we were going down the road in that St. Francis ER, you know, the little clock thing that says how many minutes you have to wait in the emergency room. You know, usually it says three or five, or one time I saw it said 30. But on Friday afternoon, it said 99. And that's as as far as it goes. They They can't listen any more than that. People are sick, so do you not go out? The roads were slippery, do you, do you not go out? I mean, here in Minnesota, you just not go out for three months or, or six months. And really, if you coast through life, it can be even more dangerous than actually going through purposeful. So I had to go out to uh, out by Stillwater uh, out in that area twice, and both times it was like kind of snowy and slippery and cars were sliding around and everything. And so everybody's kind of moving along, you know, all trusting that it's going to be okay overall. And then on 94, right in the middle of the, I don't know, there are four lanes, there's like a new Tesla, and they're going like 40 miles per hour. And I don't know if they think that's safer to keep their expensive car safer or what, but actually it's the most dangerous thing you can do is to go that slow when everybody else is going on around you. And the same thing is true in your life. For you to just poke along with no ambition, no aim, no purpose, no commitment, no allegiance to follow God, you'll just get knocked around. Your life will be disappointing. You might get drawn into things that lead you to unhappiness. You might come to the end of your life and say, I wish that I would have done stuff different. I I didn't know that the laps around the track were going to be that short. Maybe you make resolutions. Statistics show that 45% of Americans usually make New Year's resolutions. Uh, Maybe you're part of that 45%. So out of that 45%, 8% are always successful in achieving their resolutions and 19% achieve their resolutions every other year. So I don't know how they come up with this and what classifies as a resolution. I mean, I don't really know, but there are all these different statistics about resolutions and they've got all these statistics. And then it says on the, the very last sentence, it says, there's actually no correlation between happiness and resolution setting or success. People who achieve their resolutions every year are no happier than those who do not set resolutions or are unsuccessful in achieving them. It says with that statistic, but I don't really know if that's true. So I think that if you start the year 
Or maybe even you just come to a communion Sunday and you like recommit your life to God and you start out again and you know the things that you need to do and you want to do and you start to do them, then you will eventually, hopefully, uh, achieve those goals. Become that person you want to be. Achieve that health that you're trying to get. Get your finances squared away. The top 10 resolutions that people usually set are number one, lose weight. Number two, get organized. Number three, spend less, save more. Number four, enjoy life to the fullest. Number five, stay fit and healthy. Number six, learn something new and exciting. Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, help someone else achieve their dreams. Number nine, fall in love. And number 10, spend time more with family. Those are common resolutions. And I guess that health fitness centers will fill up in January. And the people that own the fitness centers count on that. But even more, they, you know, because they can only hold so much of a capacity. They really like those people that sign up in January and disappear by April, but still keep paying their dues. So it's, pro- it's profitable and helpful for them if uh, there's people paying, sitting on their membership cards, and um, they're not actually attending, but they're still paying. Hopefully that's not you. I do know that at the one local fitness center, it is getting a little more crowded around there. So um, hope though, to have hope. Not just, I hope that everything will work out okay, but to have a true confidence in God. A hope that says, I look into God's Word and I I have a personal relationship with Him and I I trust that Jesus is going to answer my prayer and get me through and preserve me and help me to go through life. And the Bible talks a lot about hope. We need to have hope. Hope leads to a freedom from anxiety. Hope comes through the Holy Spirit. We have hope in the resurrection. We have hope that we have eternal life. We have hope that Christ is returning. We have hope that God can change us, can change lives, can make a difference, can provide for us, can keep us safe. Uh, Many things about hope. And so I was praying about what to share this week and, you know, what what to motivate you with. And I thought, well, I could make you a list of all the things that you should do to be a great Christian. Actually, in um, this How to Find God New Testament, it's got some pretty good lists. It's got how to live the Christian life. It's got a section on uh, what memory verses would be good for you to memorize, which would actually be cool if you memorized them all. So you can come up with some pretty good lists on what to do to live the Christian life. If you would lack lists of things to do in the Christian life or spiritual disciplines or whatever, I would be glad to give you some resources that will give you some ideas of what you can do to live the list. But instead, I thought I would just kind of give a running commentary on my, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, First Peter, where uh, Peter is trying to motivate the persecuted church, motivate Christians who are suffering, motivate those who might be lacking hope, lacking courage, those who need to know that they can have their confidence in Christ, those who know the Lord that they need to be holy and they need to live a life that, that makes a difference, that honors God. So uh, more than just resolutions, you figure out what your resolutions are. So I won't give you a list of what your resolutions are supposed to be. I would like to point out, though, that on this list that you see of um, resolutions, some of the questions you might want to ask yourself is why? If this is your resolution, like on the screen, then why? What's your motive? So number one, if you're going to lose weight, what's your motive? Is it so that you look better so you can impress others, or is it so that you can be healthier live longer and be more effectively used by God. If your motivation is to quit smoking, is it to be healthier? Is it to save money? Is it, uh, what, what is it? Uh, all of those things, actually, if 
I'm not a smoker. I know that it's easy to get trapped into smoking and hard to, to stop smoking. I think one of the things that would motivate me more than anything is thinking about what I could do with the money since that is so expensive. Uh, earlier to bed, that's got to be a resolution for somebody. I personally hate going to bed. It's the time of the day when I feel the greatest defeat. I didn't get enough done. I didn't get everything I wanted to accomplish done. I wish there was some way I never had to go to sleep. Sleeping is a waste of time. I can't wait to wake up again. This is the way I usually am. Maybe that's the way you are too. Or maybe we should form a support group of dysfunctional people. I don't know. Pay off credit cards, uh, phone, whatever. The question is, why? What's your motive? If it's to glorify God, to be more effective, to make a difference in the world, that's a great thing. If you have uh, resolutions that are motivated by trying to please others or uh, lead to uh, a lack of humility or takes you, take you away from God, uh, then you might want to rethink those. But put God first in everything, and you will always come out ahead because eventually you'll come to the end of this life and then God will give uh, you an evaluation on if you did good or if you didn't do good and there'll be rewards based on you doing good and that will be awesome. What a great thing to be busy serving the Lord with your time, your talents, your treasure. What a great thing. All right, number one, new hope through God's mercy. So Peter starts out the chapter by saying this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. But to think that God knew you in advance, has called you to follow Jesus, knows everything about you, cares for you, loves you, and has a plan for you, should make all the difference in the world. It should make you re-evaluate the way that you use your time and the things that you do and re-prioritize the way that you pursue Him, the way that you spend time in God's Word. Um, You can read God's Word. You can listen to God's Word. Uh, The new, if you've got an Android phone, uh, if you download Google Play um, Bibles, you can click on the read aloud thing that's part of the app and it will read it to you. Um, you can get audible audiobooks of the Bible or read it to you. I'm pretty sure uh, it does that on the iOS, Apple things too, but I don't have one of those. Anyway, so you can listen as you go. You can read the Bible on your, on your phone. You can read it in paper. We can help you get a Bible. But to just be in God's Word, because the more you're in God's Word, the more you understand how much God loves you and cares about you, and even that He knew you in advance. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. God wants you to know these things because it will give you hope. It will help you to get through the hard times. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit made you holy, and as a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and now we live with great expectation. So you read that and hopefully it sinks in and hopefully as you compare it in the Bible that you have there, I like it actually, the fact that um, in some of the older versions it creates kind of a mental gymnastics to figure out what exactly is it say. It says that, it says it in a different way, but the general thought here is that God loves you, cares for you, has made it possible for you to live a holy life, and then this last part of the verse, now we live with great expectation. Do you as a Christian live in great expectation? There's a bunch of Christians that I know that say, I can't live the list. I try to live the list. I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. God's disappointed in me. I always fall into sin. Everything is a disappointment. I'm a disappointment to God. 
I, someday when I see him, I'll be expecting him to say I'm a disappointment, and they don't live with great expectations. God's mercy means that God's paid the bill, God's covered your sin, God's brought you into a personal relationship when you received him as your Lord and Savior, and now you can live with great expectation of what God's going to do in the future, what God's going to do now, what God can do through you, how God can do great things in your life. New hope through God's mercy. Number two, new hope through eternity. Uh, Verse 4, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So when we come into a relationship with Christ, when we get saved, we are saved, but someday we'll fully realize all that that means. And a priceless inheritance means that when this life is done and our possessions are behind us and you know, we can't take it with us, that God's got good stuff for us. God's got all we need. God's got an inheritance. God's got the relationship that we're looking for. He's got everything that we need, and it is ready for us. And it says, beyond the reach of change and decay. It's not going to, it's not going to be destroyed. It's not going to be stolen. It's, not, it's safe and secure. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. God has got you in mind when he thinks about eternity which is a weird thing to think, that God loves you so much He wants you to be around for eternity, for all of, well, for, yeah, eternity, the timeless eternity, on and on and on. God wants you around. What a great hope. And not a hope that says, I hope it, ex- I hope it happens, but a confidence that God's Word says it. I believe it. Number three, new hope through trials. Verse six, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong, you may, through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. These people were being persecuted. Maybe Nero hadn't shown up yet and they weren't being persecuted like that, but they were being persecuted by their society. They were being persecuted because they were Christians. Maybe some people were being killed for their faith. They stood in the way of what Rome uh, valued. So uh, they had trials. They had difficulties. And sometimes God allows difficulties and trials in our life because it helps us to grow in our faith. It helps us to grow stronger in our faith. It shows that we are truly Christ followers when we go through difficulties. So uh, I don't understand why we go through all the difficulties we do. Sometimes it's other people's choices that cause us pain. Sometimes it's our choices that lead to pain. Sometimes it's the things that we didn't do that cause us trials and difficulties, and sometimes it's the things that we did do. But God doesn't keep us uh, uh, protected from every difficulty in life. And so we go through the difficulties of life reliant on Him, trusting in Him to get us through. And if you face persecution, the Holy Spirit will help you to get through that. When you face difficulties, the Holy Spirit can help you get through that. That's actually why it's good to memorize Bible verses is because the Holy Spirit is, can bring that to mind to encourage you, to encourage you when you're tempted, to encourage you when you feel sad, to give you words of hope to help other people in need. But we receive hope, new hope through trial. So many times we see that God has answered, God has provided, God has shown up that when we go through the next thing, the next difficulty, we know God's going to show up and help us because he's been faithful in all those other times in the past. So we look forward to him helping us with whatever is coming next. It seems like life is mountains and valleys and, and storms and sunny days. And often, you know, if things are peaceful now, uh, soon there'll be another storm 
and uh, you need God's help to get through it. Number four, new hope through salvation. Uh, you love him, verse 8, you love him even though you have never seen him. Have you ever seen Jesus? I've experienced Jesus, but I've never seen him. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. I mean, think about Isaiah, you know, 700, almost 800 years before Christ came, and he's, he's, he sees this stuff, and he's writing it down, and he's like, I wonder when that's going to happen. I wonder what that's going to be like. I wonder, I wonder what this Messiah will be like and how it will come about. God, you're telling me this so I can tell these people to give them hope, but I wonder, I wonder. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. Now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Angels long to look into these things. Angels see this stuff unfolding and they are utterly amazed. It's weird to think that angels might be watching us and the things that we do, maybe celebrating our victories and grieving over our defeats. Kind of a cool thing to think about though. New hope through salvation. And number five, new hope through change. New hope through change. That's where the resolutions can come in. If you make a list of the things that you want to change, and maybe you share that list with someone, or you tell somebody, or you become accountable to somebody, or you say, hey, let's do this together, you're much more likely to get it done. Verse 13, prepare your minds for actions and exercise self-control. I mean, that might be, you know, the whole thing to motivate you to make the list of what you need to do. So what, what's on your action list? <laughs> what's on your self-control list? So actionless. Spend more time in God's Word. Pray more for others. Be, be an intercessory prayer. Pray more for others. And uh, share my faith more is on my action list. So my self-control list, I probably don't need to go back for a second piece of cake, even though it's really good and it might even compliment the person who made it. Or, you know, maybe I need to be more disciplined about time or maybe, you know, whatever it be. You figure it out. Make your list. Action, self-control. And put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. To change, to know the way that you are supposed to live. To make that change. You know, Amazon uh, has been tracking the most highlighted verse in the Bible through their uh, probably a Kindle app or whatever, and it turns out that the most popular verse that you might think was maybe Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer or um, John 3.16, they found that the most popular highlighted app in the Bible was Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That kind of hope, that putting your faith in God, that memorizing Scripture and knowing, having the the Word at the moment to encourage people to guard their minds and their hearts in Christ Jesus, to give them 
to give them peace, to know that God is in control. We need to make a change. You've got to figure out what it is in your life that needs to change, where you are and where you want to end up, where you want to be, what are you going to do to get there? What is it that you need to change? How are you going to change? And a New Year resolution can be a good way to do that. A recommitment to Christ can be a good way to do that. And finally, number six, uh, new hope through reward. Verse 17, remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. You know, that can be a great motivator to know that Jesus is returning and he's going to reward you. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Other Bible translations say as strangers and aliens. Actually, temporary residents makes more sense. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now these last days, in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because you raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory." So to know that your life matters and God's going to reward you. What could he reward you with? Well, he could give you more opportunities for the rest of eternity. He could reward you with stuff. But if, you know, heaven is like everything's provided, I mean, is, are some people going to have more than others? Maybe. maybe. I don't think anybody's going to be, you know, crying about it. But there will be great reward. And even if it wasn't like stuff reward, what about the great reward of seeing other people with you in heaven for all eternity, and knowing that, you know, your coworker, you know, whatever, John, your coworker over here, or Bob, uh, that they were godless when you met them, and you led them to Christ, and helped them to grow in their faith, and they're there, and their family's there, and they made a difference in the world. There's this whole throng of people that are in heaven because you were faithful to share your faith, to share your finances, and to serve the Lord. What a great reward that would be for all eternity to say, you know, God used me to bring all of them to this eternity. What a great thing. Great reward. So uh, we're out of time. The guys can come forward and we will have an opportunity for communion. Communion is something that we were told to do to remember Christ and churches all around the world celebrate communion. We usually do it the uh, first Sunday of the month, but we're going to do it here this fifth Sunday to get our hearts right with God before the new year. What a great time to confess any known sin, uh, commit, uh, recommit your life to the Lord, uh, commit your life to serve the Lord, uh, maybe uh, talk to the Lord about some of your resolution commitments if you're going to make those. Maybe ask the Holy Spirit to show you what needs to change and how you can make that change. So Paul wrote, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins. And he wants you to be in a right relationship with him. But you need to ask. You need to come to faith. And you do that by acknowledging you're a sinner, acknowledging that you know he paid the price, and asking him to come into your life. Something like, Lord Jesus, praying, praying something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. and Come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. And when you go to the Lord and ask, then he answers and you receive, you're born again, you are adopted as a child of God, you're assured heaven, you receive the Holy Spirit. You need to yield your life to the Holy Spirit and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit 
but we need to first come into our relationship with Christ. And if you've done that, you're welcome to take communion with us. So uh, some music will play, and then I'll come back and pray in a minute. But this is a great time for you to commit in, uh, to confess any sin to the Lord, uh, ask Him to forgive you of that, uh, to recommit your life to Him, and thank Him for dying on the cross for you. And I'll be right back. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that is our greatest hope, is that the Lord Jesus is going to return, and he is going to make everything right. He is going to take us with him, or whatever his plan is, that he has us in mind. And we need to share that. We need to... Um, enjoy every minute of that. We need to live that out. So our, our lives, I mean, you might be here today and, and we might be having a memorial service or a funeral service for you, you know, next week. And to know that you had faith in Christ, to know you expressed your faith in Christ, to know that you lived for Christ would cause us to gather together and celebrate your life. And for people to be able to stand up and share what a difference you made in their life. So maybe you could think about this new year and the things that you want to do based on what you'd like people to say about you and remember you for someday when the Lord takes you home and we all are remembering you and thinking about you and uh, celebrating you've gone to be with Jesus, sad you're gone. But to put that all into perspective, it's this what right now is temporary, but you are living your life, preparing for and making a difference for eternity. And that is an awesome thing. So thank the Lord for that, and I'll come back up in a minute. Let's pray again. Jesus, it's so awesome that we can know about you, that we can learn of you through your word, that we can see how to live the Christian life through the people that were around, that there are so many resources to help us live the Christian life. Help us to be able to discern what's true teaching, what's false teaching. Help us to be able to be authentic Christians and live that life out before you and the people around us, that people would see what it is to truly live the Christian life, and it would bring them hope and us reward Jesus. We thank you. We take this and we drink. If I could get some people to come and take our morning offering this morning. There's so many verses that I've shared in the past and, and so much that I wish that people could grasp about the joy of giving. And the Christmas season is a great opportunity to experience that because we know that when we give those gifts to our loved ones and they open them and they just rejoice in what they got, that it's a special time and it warms our own hearts. And the same thing can happen as we give so that the gospel can go out. Because when somebody finally opens up the gospel and heaven rejoices, because Jesus says that even when one comes, that the angels dance and sing, that uh, we can be a part of that. And that's why I give back to the church, is so that I can see other souls experience the joy that I've experienced. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for the opportunity to give back to you. And Lord, as we give back to you, Lord, as I pray every week, Lord, I pray that you would do more with each dollar that is given than it could ever be done with it if we held on to it ourselves. And Lord, we know that you have the power to do that because you've demonstrated it over and over again. I pray, Jesus, that you would bless each one who gives, and Lord, that you would change lives, Lord, through the giving. In Jesus' name, amen.
When you think about the word hope in Scripture, I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing this last song. Hope is different than wish. And uh, oftentimes when you hear people say, I hope, I guess what they're really saying is I wish. But when we hope in Scripture, what it's saying is that I am trusting that God is going to be faithful to his word. And it's not a wish, it's an expectation that this will truly come to pass. As we sing this last song, I know a lot of people have had difficult time in, in, in 2017. I know my family has, other families have. But there is one that we can continually hope in, who is always faithful, who is always there. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.